Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. We need to insert Foo Fighters, my hero. They use their socks as tinder to get their fire started. Let's assume that we're thrust into this situation and we've got somebody that we care about out there that's lost. But don't become part of the problem. That's the number one thing I'd probably say. Dude, I got a great story for that. Welcome to the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the Nature Reliance School Hands-On Coursework. Our students have come from over 25 different states and from all walks of life. Nothing compares to the satisfaction of experiential learning in the outdoors and sharing a campfire with like-minded people. During the upcoming fall of 2019, there are a variety of classes that will help you be more comfortable and educated on all things outdoors. Look in the description below for a link to our course calendar with classes in Wilderness Navigation, Basic Survival, and Nature Immersion. Beginners and experienced persons alike will gain much from getting in the woods with us. The best part is that listeners of the podcast get a sweet discount. Just use the discount code PODCAST for 20% off any class you sign up for this fall. Come on, join in. Let's learn together. Welcome to the Nature Reliance Media Podcast, where we bring nature to you. Our goal is to share the experiences of experts in outdoor pursuits to help educate, enrich, and entertain about the natural world that surrounds us. Spending time outside is scientifically proven to be good for us all. We want to share the things that you need to enjoy it and to do so safely. If you like this podcast, then please subscribe and give us a positive review. Also, please click the share button on any podcast and pass it on to your family and friends. Welcome in, everybody. Glad you're here for another Nature Reliance Media podcast. This time we're going to be discussing with Mr. Tracy Trimble, co-host of the Nature Reliance Media podcast, another lost and found, which has proven to be a fantastic, fantastic way of disseminating information is to take a look at some of these situations that Tracy's been involved in as a search and rescue volunteer, and we'll break them down. We'll look at how it gets started and how it ends and everything in between. So... What's up, my friend? How are you? Good morning, Craig. How are you doing, man? 
I am pretty good. Been out in the woods this morning already for a couple hours, putting notes together for a class this weekend. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. The uh, So anytime woods time happens, is good time. You got out before it got too uh, hot. It is exceptionally hot today. Yeah, man. I got out uh, before the sun came up this morning and uh, did my thing out there and, and had a good time and then headed on back and set this up to do with you in the middle of the heat of the day. So, <laughs> smart, smart man, man smart right man. Right yeah, smart. Guys and gals, so if you haven't tuned in to one of our Lost and Found ex- episodes, then what these are all about is we take a situation that Tracy has worked in, again, as a search and rescue volunteer. What we do, again, is break them down. Now, our focus here is definitely not to belittle anyone. All of us have done some remarkably good things, and I'm sure most of us that have spent any time outside have made a few mistakes here and there. Uh, Our intention is not to do that at all here. It's primarily just for the purpose of education because these stories are real life. They're true to form, and they will inform us in a way that only a true search and rescue situation can. So the big thing that we want to make sure that everybody notices is that It's just so simple and so quick on how a trip can go from a regular day hike, night hike, backpacking trip, whatever it might be, and just turn bad. And what we'll be doing is breaking down what went right, what went wrong, and specifically how we can improve upon it. So, Tracy, set this one up for us. Well, this this particular event took place in the Red River Gorge here in Kentucky. If you're not familiar with the Red River Gorge, it's a hot spot for day hikes, camping overnight. It's got enough trails, really, where you can probably walk for several days. It's a real hot spot known actually kind of across the nation for rock climbing. It's a very, very popular area. took place in April of this year. It was a beautiful day. Went back and looked at the temperatures and everything. It was 77 degree day, 49 degrees that night, and absolutely no rain. So April, Perfect. beautiful night. day. Be yes, yes, yes. So these two uh, two young ladies went hiking, and and let me say let me say this. Whenever we whenever we got to the to the ladies that night, absolutely two of the nicest young ladies you ever hope to meet in your life. How old were you say young ladies? But yeah, how, how uh, early twenties, mid twenties, okay. early twenties. Yeah. Whenever you get to help those type of people, man, it really makes it worth it. But they were just very, very nice individuals. But they went hiking. Their plan for the day was to leave Bison Way, which is a, a local parking area around here. They left about three p.m. and their goal was to hike to a, a local hot spot known as Cloud Splitter. It's a rock cropping, beautiful, beautiful high overlook. The cliff area actually has a split, hence the name splitter, and you can go through it and it kind of comes out into a cave-like setting. It's very, very popular area. They were just going to go there, return straight to the vehicle. The round trip uh, was going to be about seven miles, three and a half miles there and three and a half miles back. And I would say this is a very typical plan for hikers in the area. Maybe you're going to cover a little bit later, but since it's such a popular area, I'm just assuming these people are probably passing people up to and from. I mean, on their way out, I'm guessing. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did for the day, yes. Yeah. That particular, such a nice day. There had to be people all over the place down there. Never been to Cloud Splitter. Can you believe that? I'll have to take you one day. It's well worth a hike. Yeah, it sounds Um, good. Yeah, it, it is. It's beautiful, beautiful area. So their plan was there and back. Like I said, just typical, typical hike. Uh, that we run into over there. However, one of the things that we do whenever we get to the 
people is we kind of interview them, see, uh, see what their plans were and what went wrong so that we can kind of have a working knowledge of, of helping others. Here's their first mistake. They decided to park in Bison Way and go to Cloud Splitter based upon talking with a friend. So in other words, they had no clue about the trails, about this particular trail anyway. And the friend said, hey, you need to park at Bison Way, hit that trail, and it'll take you straight to Cloud Splitter. Oh, wow. Absolutely no self-research on their part. Now, the friend was right. You can definitely park at Bison Way, take the Bison Way Trail. It goes into the Sheltoe Trace, the ST, and then that ST will take you to the Cloud Splitter area, but you also have to hit a local trail, user trail, and it will take you on up to the top of Cloud Splitter. And it's not the easiest... It's not the easiest trail to find to get to Cloud Splitter. We've talked about this a couple of times, and, and I just want to point out, it seems like, you know, because we have such intimate knowledge of what's going on in the Red River Gorge, uh, you from being in it all the time doing search and rescue work, me just monitoring what, happen on, what happens on social media quite regularly because I don't spend as much time there as you do. It seems to me there's a very popular group on Facebook in particular where people go, hey, I want to a four mile hike. What do you, what do you recommend? Hey, I want a place where I can take my kids and they'll be okay. Hey, I want a place where I can get a sunset. Their research is coming from number one, a stranger usually. Usually. And, and oftentimes I'm recognizing that people will give them, if there's five different people, there'll be five different answers. It's, it's cause for confusion. And I think the better, I, I, maybe the, it's better to ask you, what, what do you think is the best way to do that research that you mentioned? Oh, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking on social media like that or asking a friend. I think the issue that we get into whenever they say, hey, uh, do you know a, a four mile trip hike that I can take? The, the people that are responding are very honest about it. However, they're honest from their standpoint. And they probably know the trails in detail and been there several times and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I don't think there's any misleading going on at all. I think that if I was going to an area and if I could get some firsthand comments on trails, I would definitely do that. But then I'd also back it up with a map of the area and do some self-research on the length and Grab a topo map. You can get an idea of the inclines and and roughness of it. And and there's all kinds of videos out there now that there's a YouTube channel out right now, Craig, that has two or three guys that go all over these trails and they record them and and everything. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I know there was a Google um, trip that went through there because they were Google was mapping trails out. And I'm sure that's how a lot of these trail apps like tra- all trails and stuff like that probably get their data i would think other than you know using topography and topography maps and transposing that information well I, I know one like gaia uh, the app that you and i use in the search rescue team use gaia gps i can go in there and search for trails if i go to a trail and i record it i can upload that trail to gaia's website and then other people can see that trail as well Oh wow! Okay, so there's a lot of lot of interaction like that going on now. Hmm. Very good. I think it'd probably be worth our while. Let's say that we're these two ladies, and we're going to an area like this, like they've gone. It probably wouldn't be a bad idea to ask that friend. Hey, is there any user trails? Is there any turns that that we need to be aware of? What what should we be looking for? I mean, what do you think about that? Sure. 
the like I said, the, the trail, the user trail that goes that leaves the ST and goes directly up to the cloud splitter is very difficult to to locate. The won't issue you, won't you tell you, us about, yeah. Go now, ahead, the I'm issue sorry. that you get into as you're walking down the ST, there might be a little cliff overhang or a rock house or what else of rock, a good place just to sit and have a picnic or a camping area. And there'll be trails going all over the place. Just to say, go up there and hit a user trail to your right is, you know, if, if it's in an area where there's a lot of trails, it's going to be very difficult to, to identify. So tell us about this bison way trail. Just set it up for everybody. Try to paint a picture for them what it looks like. Well, here's what they should have done. Whenever they left the Bison Trail parking lot on Bison Trail, it's a very heavy traveled trail, easy to follow. And it's a typical hardwood forest of Kentucky. It follows a creek up, uh, very pretty. It's got cliff lines on the left, heavy canopy. There's a lot of rocks, roots, and, and everything. But the Bison Trail goes about, let's see, I think three quarters of a mile. And then it intersects with the ST, the Shell Tollway Trace. Here's the issue. When the Bison Way comes into the ST, it comes in at an angle. It doesn't T with the trail. Hmm. There is a sign there, but it is so worn around there that if you're talking, enjoying the day, not paying attention, you'll walk right past that sign. So the Bison Trail comes in at an angle, and if you – keep on that angle you will take the st to the east when they needed to take the st to the west so i I would think that they just went from the bison way trail right on to st and never never knew they changed trails whatsoever and just kept walking tell me what that sign looks like it's been so long since i've been there is it one of them that's just solid wood no lettering or metal sign okay yeah and Those they're worn, are they're terrible. dark. Yes, they're worn, they're dark. And it's just, you know, if, you, if you're out enjoying the day, which is what you need to be doing, and you're talking and not looking, looking around, you, you'll walk right past them. I've got to find. I know just this is interesting maybe for people that have read our book, Essential Wilderness Navigation. We wrote a section on signage that the publisher did not think was worthwhile to put in the book and got cut. It was like 10,000 words too, man. It was terrible, terribly long. When I say terribly long, terribly long from their perspective. And they just did not understand. And this is why that section was in there. It's because you've got to know about signage, what they look like, uh, what kind of things that you should be looking for, how not to miss them. Because this, this is how people get lost right here, man. No, very much. A lot of places out west, I was reading, um, looking at an article reading the other day, they will actually put signs up along the way with the actual UTM coordinate. Really? Yes. Where is this? It was out, I want to say Colorado, but don't hold me to that. Yeah, just out west for sure. Yeah, I need to look that back up. But I think it was every mile, maybe, they just had a post with a... Hmm. It was about the size of a highway mile marker. Yeah. And it just had the UTM coordinates on it. Man, that's fantastic. <laughs> that is that's very fantastic. fantastic, yes. Hey, that brings up a topic that I, I want to make sure everybody that's listening, listening in, is if you look down in the description below, we got a link to our blog at the naturealliance.org website. And it's going to have a map that Tracy put together for this particular podcast. And that way you can follow along there. We'll make sure when we're sharing this particular podcast and moving forward that that we share that 
blog site as well because it'll have uh, some more information there that you can get a visual on if it'll help you. So check that out. And if you don't know what UTMs are, then also look in the description below <laughs> for a link to <laughs> the book, Essential Wilderness Navigation. You pick that up and we'll tell you everything you need to know. All right. Now, what's next? The 911 call? Yes. Yeah, so they missed their turn on the ST and they continue hiking wandering around they made their way down to um a trail called lost trail conveniently named <laughs> are you serious yeah i kid you not lost is trail. that it when i did that that one yes. search and rescue yes idea. that's the one you hit it has a oh, big that's hill a nightmare man yeah, it's a nightmare it has a oh hill gosh. that's just straight up and down it's like a yes what is it 300 foot climb or maybe 400 oh, or wow. it felt like up. we went down it thank goodness if i had had to gone up it that day i don't think i would have mm-hmm. made it wow. horses travel it so there's a lot of mud mm. and, and it's just, it, it's tough. And I think if I remember right, Craig, I think they went up that hill, turned around, came back down that hill. And then for some reason, turned around and went back, back, because back up that Torch. hill. I think they climbed that hill twice. Oh my God. Because they man. got it. They, they knew they were lost or at least they, you know, they couldn't find a cloud splitter and they thought, well, we'll just keep walking and it's that same same comment. We figured the trail would come out somewhere. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. Hey, no joke, man. Uh, and again, this is where I can throw my tiny little bit of search and rescue experience in here. The day that we went down that trail, because right at the bottom of that, you start, you get real close to a creek, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Somewhere right in there, man, because the creek had gotten up, the trail was like zero. I mean, it was terrible. There was so much stuff everywhere that our search and rescue team that was there had difficulty uh, getting on that trail. Which is, it, I'm not saying that's the case here. Yeah, yeah. It sure is. It's a crossing okay. trail. That, the ST stays on one side of the creek bank, and it's a wide creek. Lost Trail goes on the other side, so it's difficult. But anyway, so they keep keep walking, 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 and eventually make their way to Osborne Bend Trail. And again, you can follow all this on the oh map on gosh. the blog. If they would made her right and headed south, they would have hit the blacktop within a mile and a half maybe two miles, I guess. Instead, they made a left and then they continued on around to the east end of east side of the Osborne Bend. That's whenever it got dark. They got pinned down by the dark, didn't have lights, and they called 911. They called 911 around 8.30 p.m. So it's just getting, you know, good and dark where they couldn't Tell walk. Tell me again, what time they start? They start that morning? Three. three oh, they start uh, three, three, three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Three so they've been so they, five and a half hours. Five there. hours, yeah. Been out roughly five hours, five and a half. The first 30 minutes took them 
the three quarter miles on Bison Way. So they technically right. wasn't lost, but yeah, so they were lost for a good five hours there. So they call the nine one one call straightforward. They tell us exactly where they parked their vehicle, their plans where they were going. We checked, make sure they weren't hurt, no injuries. Uh, they weren't dehydrated. They had actually taken some water with them, although they were out. So we walked them through the process of getting their coordinates off their phone. They had phoned a friend. You remember that? Remember that TV show? Who wants to be a millionaire? They had an option on their phone a friend. Yeah. Well, they phoned a friend. And what they did was take a screenshot of Google Maps, sent it to him. He pulled it up and was able to give them coordinates. Hmm. What he gave to them and what I was able to walk them through and get pretty much matched up. They were within 50 feet of each other. So, so help I felt, me out here, but mm-hmm. me listening to this thing, as far as two people getting lost so far, they've done everything right. As far as getting lost. Yes. Instead yeah. of just trying yeah. to walk themselves, they've just stopped and they've started to get some help. Started to get some help. Yeah, absolutely. They they wanted to contact the friend and, the, and the, let the friend walk them out, but the dark pinned them down. So they just, mm-hmm. they couldn't walk, which is absolutely the right thing you need to do. Don't need to be walking out in the dark, especially in a cliff line area like that. So we get to coordinates. This is going to be what we term a pickup, meaning there's no emergency. They weren't injured or dehydrated or anything like that. They weren't in danger. We had the coordinates and we felt confident the coordinates correct. So all we had to do is walk out, pick them up, bring them back to the parking lot. And everybody goes home. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. You like this podcast, don't you? And you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Let me tell you how easy it is to do this with Anchor. First off, the money's right. It's free. Zero cost. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. Bonus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Three of the members on the team got together, and that's exactly what we did. Drove down to the parking lot, headed in. We get probably... 200 meters maybe 300 we get in we get within yelling distance of them this is whenever it turned interesting for us i love that <laughs> yeah because yeah. I, I i'm sitting here listening to you thinking because i know what happens here everybody that's listening in i know what happens and i'm thinking everybody thinks it's just like cut and dry but no no this is getting ready to get crazy <laughs> well the name of this podcast is uh, what socks fire and my hero that's a yeah. title i came up with let's let's touch up on socks whenever we whenever we got to them We'll go forward just a little bit and then come back to the about 200 meters out. Whenever we got to them, they had a boss of a fire going, Craig. You would be very <laughs> proud of them. Right nice. in the right in nice. the middle of the trail. I mean, you were not going to Which miss we them. should point out is not good stewardship, but if you're lost, do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing about what I'm getting ready to say next. Okay, go ahead. Whenever they, whenever they left their vehicle, they both smoke, but they were out of cigarettes. 
So they thought they would take their cigarette lighter with them. And if they ran across a hiker that smoked, they were going to burn some cigarettes and smoke out there. So that all they, they had a cigarette lighter with, lighter with them. They needed a fire because it was dark. They used their socks as tinder to get their fire started. How about that? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's oh, where wow. the socks comes in. Good cotton socks, everybody. Good, yes, it went up. <laughs> and I'm telling oh, you, they had a boss of a fire going. It was well. It was at least just, they know how to build a fire. Yes, absolutely. They were just they were safe and could see for a quarter mile down that trail almost. So back to the 200 meters, we get within yelling distance of them, and we, and we yell out quite a bit whenever we get close to them, just to make sure that you know we're in the right area and let them know that we're coming and and that kind of stuff, just in case they moved a little bit. We yell the contact name of, of one of the ladies that I had been talking to, and they reply. So we yell back, stay put, we're coming to you. And they yelled back, okay. Soon as they quit yelling, we hear a another individual yelling, which was way past them. They started yelling back to them. Over here, over here, that type deal. Oh, no. So I'm thinking, my first thought was this. There's another hiker out heard us yell or there's a camper who heard us yell and they are wanting to be good mm. Samaritans and just tap out, which I fully understand that. Sure. My concern was that they were going to go toward the second yeller and be gone by the time we got there. So, so I yell back to them, Hey, you know, this is search and rescue. You all stay put. We're coming to you. Okay. And then they start yelling again, back to this other individual over here, over here. So we, Picked up her pace and we got there to them. Hey, let me ask you a question real quick. So you're fairly certain right now, just from an operational standpoint, that is not another search and rescue person, right? Correct. We were the and only how do you three, know that? Well, we were the only three members in there. Okay. We were the only three that responded to the So call. me just listening to it as an outsider, not a search and rescue person, that would be a thought that I would have is maybe there's some other search and rescue people, but the way you all, you all coordinate these things, you all don't go about it haphazardly, right? Oh, yes, yes. We, yeah, you know who's in the woods exactly and who's not who in the woods. We know exactly who responds. We have a right. sign-in sheet. Um, nice. if, uh, if we split the teams up, the teams have a number. We've, we remained in uh, radio contact with IC, which is instant command. So we, we know where teams are. The gotcha. three of us were the only three that responded. We were the only ones out there. So I knew it wasn't another search and rescue team. I just thought it was a good Samaritan that had right. worked their way through there. Which, let me say this too, and make sure that I understand things. You might be getting into this. Are you going to get into the area and what's around these people? Like the well, cliff line and everything? Yeah, the area is very cliff line. The particular place where we picked them up was on top of the ridge. And the closest cliff was probably 400 meters, maybe. The entire ridge was nothing but cliff until you get all the way up to the head of it. And then it kind of levels out. So yes, it's, it's very dangerous area just to be in the dark, walking around, walking through And they did right. They, they stay put. Here's the other thing about good Samaritans or fellow hikers that come along. We have gotten a call before where, Hey, I'm lost. We got the coordinate. Okay. We're coming in and get you fellow hikers come along. Hey, I'm lost. Do you know where the part? And they go with them. Hmm. We get into the woods. We go to the coordinates and there's nobody to be found. Oh, man. 
So if you find yourself in that position and you do get rescued by a good Samaritan, you get on that phone and contact search and rescue as soon as possible. Right. Even before you leave that spot, if you can, you know, if, if I've been talking to that person on the phone, getting their coordinates, we say, okay, we're on our way. And it's been 30 minutes. Another hiker comes through. You get back on that phone and let us know that you're with another hiker and you're going to follow them out. Sure. Yeah, it's just that that's a big because now you're out there wandering yes. around looking for somebody and they're not even there anymore. They're not even there, yes. Oh wow, well, never and thought about that. And cell phone is so terrible in that area. Once you lose uh, leave the ridge line and go down to the parking lot, they they couldn't call us until they got in their vehicle and drove far enough to get cell phone reception, and then hmm. they called called back. So yeah, I think we need to make sure everybody knows that, and we'll say this every time. Everybody, I think we will or we should relying upon cell phone service to get a call out is foolhardy. Mm-hmm. Use it if you got it, obviously, but expecting to use it is another story altogether. Very much. Am so. I right on that? Very much. Yeah. So. so we were at the point where we had walked up to them. We've made physical contact with them. They're okay. The, as we're talking to them, the individual out in the woods yells again. One of the girls yell back, Hey, over here type deal. So we get to talking to him, and the lady says, well, that's my boyfriend. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Is he with you all? Because you only told me there were two hikers. No. Mm-hmm. He came in to help us. So now we have the two hikers, and now we have the boyfriend. That's where the My Hero comes in. Because they were up on the ridge, they were able to get cell phone reception. So they called him, told them that they were lost, that they had been in contact with search and rescue and search and rescue was coming in to assist them. He took it up on himself to drive to a totally different area. He used Google maps and their screenshot to identify their location. He uses Google, goes to the very North end of Red River Gorge, goes down a gravel lane into dirt, He thinks he gets his vehicle stuck and basically drops a pin on his Google Maps and walks in a straight line to them. He is very, very fortunate that he did not walk over a cliff. Yeah. He had a little pin light. light. He had a light with him. It was dim as it could be. All right, people. Listen to this. One more thing. He had stepped over a log into a deep hole thought that he had broken his ankle. When we get to him, he is limping like he took a baseball bat and hit him in the ankle. I said, man, are you okay? What's wrong? He tells me, I said, is it twisted or broken? He said, I think it's broken. He said, I've broken this ankle before and it kind of feels that way. I'm thinking, okay, so we're going to have to get a litter in here and get this guy off this hill. Hey, tell me again. So did you tell him to stop and then you went to him? We did. We told him to stay put. Two of us went on up the trail because there was another user trail that came out, and I knew where that was, and I could hit that and then walk out to his vicinity. And that's gotcha. what we did, and we we pretty much walked right to him. And To keep him from killing himself by accident? Oh, he was just walking through the woods, and this was oh an area gosh, where man. the uh, no. trees were down, twisted, and, you know, logs and cliffs. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, cliffs and stuff. So we eventually get him down to the girls with a fire and we kind of 
sit there and discuss things. And that's where I get all the information about it. The, his girlfriend knew that he was coming in, but she thought that he was just going to be at the parking lot. He took it up on himself without any communication to go into what was, what is Menifee County come in the North side of it and try to find them that way. Communication breakdown, my friend. Communication breakdown. Now here's the, Terrible. Terrible part of this, or potentially terrible part of it. If we had gotten to the girlfriends, and again, the girlfriend didn't know he was coming into the woods. If we had gotten to the girls before he'd got within yelling distance, we would have removed them from the trail. We would have been down in the parking lot where there is absolutely no cell phone reception. He would have been up on top of the ridge with a dimming light and a very severely twisted, what it turned out to be a twisted ankle by himself. And Man, nobody would have known him, that he was up there. We need to insert Foo Fighters' My Hero song right into the this <laughs> podcast for this guy right here. Wow. And again, we're not belittling this nope. guy, but we want to point out to everybody that's listening, this this person had the best of intentions, which is great. Yes. They really did have the best of intentions to help uh, those that he cared about. But this is just an indicator. This story is a fantastic indicator of how if you really don't know what you're doing, how you can cause a more significant problem. He he caused a problem. It was easily fixed because the search and rescue team went out and got him and brought him to safety, but he had already twisted his ankle. He could have stepped on a, I mean, not that time of year probably, but he could have stepped on a venomous snake out there in the dark. He could have walked off a cliff, any number of things. But more importantly, he could have easily not been picked up and nobody knew he was there. Yes, and at 49 degrees without the ability oh, to build a fire, he would have been, it would have been a cold cold night for him, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So we get them all together, we talk it over, and, and then we head out, and I ask him, I, I said, man, are, you think you can walk on it? Because I really didn't want to call in more team members if we didn't have to. And he said, yeah, I think I can make it. And I said, well, let's let's try. It was a slow, limpy walk, but we eventually got them off the hill and down to the parking lot and delivered to their car. Nice. Everything turned out good, but boy, it had potential to be a nightmare. Okay, let's do this because I think you've got some good steps for us. Let's talk about, let's assume that we're thrust into this situation and we've got somebody that we care about out there that's lost. What is your recommendation on how we handle ourselves with that situation? Well, you said it earlier. Here's the number one thing. And it's a tough situation to have someone that you care about whether it be a family member or a good friend that's in trouble and you can't help them. It's just a helpless feeling. And and you think that, man, I got to be able to do something, but here's the number one thing that you have to do if you're in that position. And that is don't become part of the problem. And with him out there walking around, he potentially became part of the problem or became a problem. There was no problem going in and getting the, the two ladies and walking them out. That was no no brainer. He could have easily walked off a cliff, killed himself. You know, from there on, it would have been heartache for everybody. We, we take this same approach as search and rescue team members. The order of focus, if you will, for us as team member is me, we, and you. You being the lost hiker or the patient. I'm number one. I have to take care of myself, number one, so that I don't become part of the problem. 
In other words, I don't have, I, I can't do anything stupid. I can't jump over a rock on slick rock. I can't uh, do silly stuff on repels and become part of the problem. We being the team, I have to watch out for my team members. They are watching out for me. And then you, the lost hiker, is number three. So don't become hey man, part I, of the problem. I think it's worthy to discuss because we've talked about a lot of different times in classes that we're teaching in our books and and elsewhere. But, man, this seems counterintuitive. But, but got to say it, and I'd love to hear what your thought is on this. But a person that is got a family member or somebody they care about this loss is going out there and they're going to be under, I don't even know how to say it other than probably more emotional stress than a search and rescue person. Sure. And under that emotional stress, you do things like what you just described, which is you jump over a rock or step over a log and not paying attention where you're going because you're, you're all focused on out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's not that first responders or search and rescues don't care. They do care, but they're approaching it from a professional standpoint. You guys are pro- handling it from a professional standpoint, not an emotional one. And so you don't make those silly decisions to cause more problems. You you do the things that are done professionally to go out there and get people and take them back. Yes, very much. Decision-making is good for you all, not so good for that other person out there. We'll be back after a quick break. What's all around you, almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better? Birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. Yes, and we are removed a little bit from the situation. And, it's, and like I said, it's not that we don't care, mm-hmm. but we still don't have that emotional tie to being my sister or my mom or my dad or my best friend, you know, that kind of stuff. But it does. It allows us to kind of take a step back and evaluate everything. Plus, we just have experience in doing this kind of stuff over and over and over mm-hmm. and that the family member just doesn't have. So. But don't become part of the problem. That's the number one thing I'd probably say is do not become part of the problem. The second thing that I would probably put out is as a family member, or if you're someone who has direct knowledge of this individual, the search and rescue teams will conduct an interview with you. And you need to give the first responders as much information as you can possibly give them. They will interview you to gain pertinent information that they feel is is directly tied to the, to the event. For instance, if it's a, say, a hunter that is lost out there, well, they'll interview the wife or the parents. How often do they go hunting? Do they go hunting in this area? Do you think they're capable of spending a night? Or are they self-sufficient? responsible, that kind of stuff. So you need to be real honest with the search and rescue people in whenever you, whenever they ask you a question. Now, once they're through with the interview, if you can think of anything else that could, could assist them or help them out, 
pass that information along. If it's information that is not needed, they'll write it down and then they just won't use it, you know, kind of go in the file, so to speak. But don't hold anything back whenever, if you're a family member, giving them as much information as possible. Even if it's very difficult, hard answers like drug use. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting ready to ask. uh, Suicidal uh, tendencies, if they're aggressive, anything like that, we need to know to help put together this puzzle to to help get your loved one out as quick as possible. And for people that are new to search and rescue in general, there's this book called lost person behavior tracy tell tell them how that works for you guys and how you utilize that information that comes out of that research well this individual put together this book he gathered information from several several lost events lost person events and he broke them down into categories like zero to three year old uh, four to six year old if the person is a has a dementia that type stuff And he collected as much data as he could on that event, where they were last seen, where they were last known, where they were picked up. They have distances in that book and everything. So if I have a 22-year-old, let's say, that is in good shape, that is a hiker, I can look that profile up in that book and it will tell me on a 75% basis that particular profile is found within X number of miles from the last known. Right. And, and you can do it with kids. You can do it with uh, elderly. And it really, really, really helps us pinpoint on uh, hard search and rescues. I just want to make sure everybody gets that from you. Cause I know by giving as much information as you possibly can, it helps the search and rescue people to not waste precious time elsewhere and be focused on the areas that a person is most likely to be in. So the more information you give, even if that information is hard to give, has illicit drug use or something of that nature is just an example, as Tracy mentioned, then you are literally helping them find your loved one. So do it. It may not be comfortable, but do it. And it is, it is difficult, but you just can't hold anything back if you want to get them back to safety. The other thing I would say is that do not take it up on yourself to go into the woods and start searching. We can't we can't stop anyone, Craig, from going into the woods. If we're sitting there at the parking lot and we're gathering as much data and we're putting teams together and the uncle shows up and the uncle wants to walk out into the woods, we absolutely cannot stop him. We do not have that authority. We can call law enforcement, but if he is not breaking any laws then he's free to go, really. By getting out there in front of us, he could destroy evidence. He could get hurt himself. He could get lost. He could be uh, severely injured. And once he gets injured or lost, then that hampers our search for the initial lost person. And it just snowballs. If we have a search team that's out, let's say that there's four of us go out, and I make a bad step and i break my leg, my team stops and they take care of me first. And it it won't be any different than if that uncle that gets out there and he gets injured, if we come upon him or if he yells and we go to him and he's injured, we have to remove assets and resources from our effort 
to help him. And it just hampers. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't go in and search, but do it in coordination with the first responders and how they operate. Right. And a lot of times we will utilize the local people, especially landowners, to help us identify where uh, hidden trails are or hot spots, cliffs and stuff like whales and old buildings and barns and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's not that we don't use them, but we need to use it in coordination with the search. Dude, I got a great story for that. There was a situation here probably two years ago where these two kids went into a local nature preserve and they went off the nature preserve and got lost. Okay. Now nobody knew this at the time. They just, they did have enough cell coverage to call their uh, friend who was their age, high school age and say, Hey, we're lost. And the high school age person was smart enough to call 911 and to call their parents. Law enforcement called me and asked me to join the search. And they wanted me to go down there and track these two. Cause there was, you know, you and I know what the tracking is good, but it's a limited use, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. In my mind, it's setting up the right perimeter. So anyway, besides that being a, an important aspect of this, I was out of state at the time and they called my, asked my son to get involved. Instead, my son called me and said, what do you think I should do? I said, I think you should call so-and-so because I knew who the landowner was where I think they would have most likely gone to because a lot of people go to there and get them to take you down there and see if they can just put some lights down in that holler and yell for them and see if you can find them. And that's exactly what he did. They had been down there searching for three or four hours. My son went down there with another law enforcement officer and in about 15 minutes had those kids pulled out and if it wasn't for the homeowner then there'd probably been a a large-scale search for them oh yeah yeah absolutely and it was just a matter of fortunately in this case i'm glad they made the phone call and i could help out of state by saying hey just call this person they know where they are and when i say i know where they are because people get lost in that area and they it was on this person's property and then they're found so it's just it's it's so important to work with the landowners when you can and involve everybody, but do it in a coordinated effort for sure. 100%. What's the last, the last thing probably I would mention at this point would be if you're not fit to go in and help search, then don't go. Mm-hmm. And, and that would be difficult to sit in the parking lot and see everyone leaving and, and you want to go and be with them. But if you're not fit, the hills that we climb around here and the roughness, then you become part of the problem. You, you slow us down mm-hmm. considerably. And so that's true you, anywhere, not just here in Kentucky, not just here, it's yeah. Southwest and yeah. anywhere. Yeah. That's right. real good. Hey, how, how would you summarize this for us, Tracy? Tell us two or three points here that you could uh, help everybody like, Hey, I'm glad you listened to the podcast, but if you, these are the takeaway points for us. What are they? Probably three things. Take, Take the lead from the first responders, from the point of giving them all the information that you can. Just take their lead and let them guide you on how to help. Have a mental focus of being part of the solution and not part of the problem. So if you want to do anything or if you decide that you are going to do on your own, at least let the search and rescue teams know what you're doing. And then that way they can kind of coordinate everything. And then number three would be communicate, 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 because that's the first thing that breaks down in any event, really. So take the lead, 
be part of the solution and communicate. Great story, man. There you have it, everybody. That is socks, fire, and my hero. <laughs> now, that, yeah. now, now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> so, Paul Harvey. Thanks again, man. I love these stories. I'm glad we're doing these. These are going to be good for everybody. I really appreciate you sharing what you have. And and again, everybody, it's not in, intended at all, zero intention at all to laugh at anyone. We're sharing things in a way that we don't belittle anyone and and make sure that we all learn from it. Anything else? Anything else you want to say, Tracy, before I take I us out of here? I think it pretty much um, zips it up. The We do appreciate everybody listening. And one thing that I'd like to, to put into here is that for those that are listening, if you have any suggestions or comments, please leave those because we want to make these podcasts as as good as we can. And we want input from our listeners so that we can tailor the podcast to what people want to hear and what people like. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to, we've got a host of other things that we're going to be doing. Uh, we've had some really good success in sharing historical stories. So we're going to be doing that here. All of this is going to be always centered around nature and getting outside and being safe while we do it. We're going to be handling some more naturalist type considerations. Just, Hey, do you know this about a tree? Do you know what this sound is when you hear this in the middle of the night and it scares you? That's, that's actually a frog. It's not, it's not what you think it is kind of thing. So we'll be doing everything we can to enrich you and educate you and help you be safer so you can spend more time outside. So thank you very much for listening in. This has been another episode of Lost and Found. Again, I'm Craig, and we've had Tracy telling us all about all the cool stuff about one of his search and rescue events, and we appreciate you. Look for our sponsors, support them when and where you can, and check it out. I think by the time you are hearing this podcast, there will be an opportunity for a sponsorship. You can just directly send a sponsorship to the podcast itself if you like what's happening. So we really, really appreciate all that. Thank you very much and look forward to talk to you again soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. We will do all we can to make this a great podcast, but we need your help. There are three simple and free ways you can help us out. Number one, subscribe to the podcast. That ensures you get all episodes in a timely fashion. Number two, give us a review. Five stars is great. Where it's optional, please add a sentence or two. We will read them all. Number three, share this podcast with your friends and family. As we move forward, leave us a voice message on Anchor or send us an email to info at naturereliance.org. We want this to be a mutually supportive community of listeners. Let us know what content you want to hear. If we can talk about it with experience, we will. And if we can't, we will find someone who can and interview them. Don't forget to look in the description below for links that we mentioned during the show. Come on, join in, let's learn together. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Reliance Podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Reliance School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. 
Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.